Hello and welcome to a very special edition of a Riot Act podcast with me, Renfrew Deadman. I am sitting in um, oh a lovely pub called the Prince Albert in Brighton. This is the first interview I have done post-COVID, post this whole bloody horrible, horrible thing that we've been going through in the flesh with, <laughs> with another human being. This is not over Zoom and it is so fucking nice to be sitting here opposite Annie Dorrit from Clit Trip. Annie! Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Is it me you're looking for? I thought you were about to go into that. I genuinely I thought should you were have, about to I go should. into that. Um, we should stress that Annie's Canadian, not American, which she wanted to, <laughs> last time she was on the show for some totally bizarre reason. <laughs> Apropos of absolutely nothing. I think you interrupted the question. I think I did. I'm <laughs> and like, I just want to. I just want to let everyone know that I'm Canadian. I'm not American. And there was just silence. Tumbleweed came through the theatre. So we're just going to clarify that you're Canadian, not American. No one cares. But but you'd be surprised. People are really mean to me sometimes because they think I'm American, which well, I'm not actually really that fussed about. They're just sometimes before I get the the yank comments. I okay, like, I like to just be like. I mean, I don't think anyone was making those comments. No, 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 I know, I know. But just to clarify, just to clarify. Um, so look, we are here to talk about uh, without the eyes, the debut record from. Um, from Clit Drip. Uh, it is Clit Drip. For ages, I thought you guys were called Cult Drop. Actually, I wasn't even going to talk to you about this, but a uh, <laughs> uh, uh, mutual friend of ours, Vlad, who's been on the podcast before, he did tell me something, and I, I hope you're okay with talking about this, but th that intro of the album, isn't, isn't that on there because some people weren't willing to say the name of the band on a radio station? So, like, can you yes. talk to me yes. about this? So, uh, I mean... I don't. I don't think anyone says it on the radio. I've only heard it maybe a few times, maybe from smaller, maybe from smaller stations. Right. Um, but but most people just say CLTDRP because I'm pretty sure. I don't know if you're not allowed to say clit or they just don't want to say it. I'm not really sure what the know. rules are, no. or if it's considered a swear word. I mean, anything. it's just a part know. of the anatomy, isn't it? It's like vagina, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Although I know that together it's like a little more like, whoa, that's visual. But <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely visual. <laughs> but I don't think it's. Uh, offend like 100%. It's not that offensive. No. Like, if you're if you're a little bit like, oh, okay, maybe I didn't really want to hear that this morning eating my breakfast. Fair enough. But I don't think it's like rude. No, no, it is. Uh, but we, I mean, we should stress for people who haven't heard the record, the first the the first track, uh, which is just called intro, isn't it? Of the, it's of the actually record. called with the eyes. But oh, my bad. I know, no, it's it's actually there's a little naughty slip up oh. <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> so it's called Intro on Spotify, but I think the actual vinyl, it's with the eyes. Okay, okay, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is just you, I assume, uh, saying it's pronounced clit drip. Yeah, there was like 10 minutes of that of me in a robot voice. And I was like, <laughs> couldn't stop laughing in the room. And I was just killing myself. And I was like, what does a clit? Do clits drip? <laughs> and like, I was just being ridiculous. But we were just like, let's just pop a little 20 seconds there. Because if there's any more of it, I don't know how nice that would be. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, like before I get like fully into to the themes of the record and so on and so forth and before we get like uh into some really really interesting stuff to talk about and really really deep themes to talk about i think a lot of people because click are a relatively new band a lot of people aren't going to know like uh how you guys got together so i was wondering how you got together with scott and daphne uh we got um, together at uni oh okay yeah down here in brighton down here in brighton amazing i saw scott play here actually at the prince albert wow I in think. this room think so actually i lied i don't know if it was here i think this is the first time we hung out okay um oh i saw him at 
Uh, not the haunt, the other one. Patterns in the mm-hmm. basement of Patterns. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Patterns, yeah. With this old band, Science of Eight Limbs. Sorry for the Brightonian chat. It's no. usually <laughs> London-centric chat that uh, we get We get um, people telling us off for, but this is Brighton-centered chat. Brighton-centered. Yes, yes. Okay, Brighton ta- Patterns, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was my, my friend Chelsea was putting on a night, and she was like, you have to come see this band. Uh, and it was Scott and his drummer, Mike, uh, called Science of Eight Limbs. And anyway, I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is... It's like the coolest thing I've seen in a really long time. Got to chatting him for a little bit. Found out he was actually in my class and in my year at them. And Maybe. so was Daphne. So the three of us just kind of got together as a group project. Uh, Daph, I've seen Daph play a few times in class. And she's just like a little little fireball. So yeah. we were just like, let's let's get her on board. We had a rehearsal and it just kind of turned into this weird, big old noise thing. But uh, it was it, it was kind of it kind of worked right away. You know? Weird. It was quite instant then, was it? Yes. Yeah. Because the thing with, I mean, we said it in the review um, that we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Like, there's a, it's very rare that we come across, you know, we listen to music for a living, me and Steve, and it's very, very rare that we come across something where we go, wow, this is really defiantly you. This is very idiosyncratically, this is, this does not sound like any other band. Mm -hmm. And I think for a band to achieve that on, the first record is really quite extraordinary. So was that sound, that was the first thing that came out from the first rehearsal, was it? Uh, pretty much. Almost. I mean, there's some songs in the album that are quite new. Right. I think we've kind of uh, crafted the sound a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, the first rehearsal was Any Man. That was the first thing we ever wrote. If you've ever, it's on the album, but it's on Spotify. Um, and yeah, it just, it really just kind of popped out. And I, it was very natural. I was really curious to know what your vocal influences are because I think on the on what something that I'm responded to really really well with this record just to you know embarrass you for a moment <laughs> is that one moment you have this kind of soulful Nina Simone esque croon and then the next it's kind of like Karen O at her most apoplectic mm-hmm. and um, you know those are two vocal styles that I've heard before but I've rarely heard them being plumped together at the same time um i think peaches is a reference as well which you actually make very very apparent on the record (laughs) um but just i was just curious to know what were your influences just as a vocalist um growing up or with this band in particular or i i grew up listening to avril lavigne and tom waits and musical theater uh, I actually studied musical theater for a really long time in high school. No um, way. Yes. So I went to drama school, by the way. Hey, look at that. <laughs> I love a good drama nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everyone here is like, you did musical theater. I'm like, I know, but I love it. Oh um, my god, give us some highlights of your your disco- <laughs> not discography. Your um, like, what what shows did you do? Um, I mean, I didn't do too many. Because uh, it was kind of through the program that I was in high school. So even even, like even we were at doing high school, what did you do? Into the Woods. <gasps> into the Woods. Yeah. Into the Woods and out of the Woods and yeah, into the Woods. That, that's yep, actually yep. Uh, some of the influences in the, that, that kind of musical I actually wrote about a little bit in some of the other songs. Stephen Sondheim, fucking um, brilliant. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Some of the ballad, like I know a lot of it's over the top and cheesy and it's quite fun and playful, but some of... Uh, the ba- some of the ballads like sending the clowns or like losing my mm. mind from follies like those those kill me mm-hmm. and I think there's something so beautiful about how direct it is and I think that's actually uh, where a lot of my lyric writing comes into okay. I like having something hit you right away uh, and not having a million metaphors running around I like <laughs> to just you hear it and that's there and that's how you feel 
I talked about yeah. directness a lot during yeah. our review, and I think the absolute, I mean, just, a, you know, a line off the top of my head, mm-hmm. you know, speak to my pussy. You can't <laughs> yeah. misinterpret that yeah, line. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that was a massive, like, yeah, that was a massive thing that that I responded to, certainly, mm-hmm. with the record. Um, I, I I understand what you're saying in terms of musicals being cheesy. I don't think Sondheim's cheesy, personally. No, not son- not necessarily Sondheim, I'd say. Mm. But maybe if you want to go into, like, I saw The Waitress with my mom recently mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. Catherine McPhee, which was actually brilliant. And Sarah Bareilles, Bareilles? Bareilles? wrote most of the score for that. He was, like, a pop musician. Okay, um, I don't know that one. Um... But like you know, some of some of it is just quite over the top, or like I like Legally Blonde. If you want to go into like the crazy, and it's like, oh my god, oh my god, you guys, like oh, it's very like musical theater as a whole is definitely cheesy. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. I think sometimes I don't know the stu- the stuff that I really really adore is some of those some of those ballads and some of the way that things, uh, like I could cry all day watching some some of the way that it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of a certain song. I'd say Losing My Mind gets me every time. Or mm. the last five years, there's a song called Still Hurting. Uh, and it's just beautiful. Like, it really is. That's so <coughs> interesting. The musical theatre thing is really interesting because I would never have guessed that, to be yeah. totally no, frank I, with you. Folk music and musical theatre, like, that's what I listen to. So it's quite funny when people ask me where my influences come with this stuff uh, because... To be honest with you, uh, I like there's a lot of music I listen to. Like I love Peaches, I love PJ Harvey, I love a lot of really big rap. My brother uh, is a bit older than me, and he was into his rap in high school. And I think I kind of, you know, maybe picked up some CDs off him, or he played some stuff in the car, and I got really into it as well. Um, so that is another kind of influence to come into. Again, that kind of, hmm. I, I wouldn't call it rap being the way I, I try to stray away from it, but in the sense of it being a bit more forward and speaky. <coughs> Does that make sense? I think um, the manner, uh, maybe the rhythm, the rhythm, or like the aggression and the attitude. Yeah, I, I guess if you want to, if you want to say that. Yeah. Um, but I think the sound really just comes from uh, we, uh, it's uh, a genuine anger. Yeah. Um, I think it was it's which was very cathartic for me. Anybody that knows me back home, I mean, it's never music I used to play or li- used to listen to. There's a few heavy things that I do like, um, but it's like a genuine uh, frustration. Like I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry at, you know, <laughs> the system. I'm angry yeah, at yeah, yeah. your family, every or your friends. Like there's so many things, but not angry. Like an emotional sense, angry because I'm uh, like a complacency or it's a way of getting it out. And I think that is genuinely where that comes from. And I don't mean that to sound like uh, very original, but I don't. I don't have someone I I try to think of or pick up i'm just frustrated yeah and that's like a genuine thing that is cu- coming out and i feel that quite when i play i think um and i do get quite emotional and it is very cathartic and i'm not that kind of person in real life like i find it very hard to uh maybe speak up i'd say i'm a little bit of a people pleaser sometimes so mm. that kind of yeah no it's just that that's i guess that's where it comes from i mean <coughs> you know as, Sorry, as, went on a tangent. <laughs> no 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 tangents are great tangents are great i mean that is really interesting because um uh i think from your from your um stage um 
performance alone you could one might think before they meet you my goodness that's an incredibly in- intimidating person yeah. and you know from the I, I know you a little bit I don't know you loads but from the little that we've met and talked and stuff I you're not intimidating in the slightest um but that whole stage person stuff that's really interesting that it comes from p- partly a musical theatre background not to say that it's fake no no it's totally. just enhanced it's just kind of like a um this is who I can be on stage yes kind of thing yes I think it's just the things that I cannot or the things I can't I feel like I can't say yeah in my regular life and I think that stems from it and also the, yes the musical theater thing of sort of harnessing those emotions and putting them forward yeah like you would yeah um, which I can really like kind of hone into and that's something I learned how to do for a long time and so I think that really plays a part with Clit Trip. I can totally relate to that mm-hmm. um Look, let's get into why you're angry. Um, uh, so, I mean, Without the Eyes begins with a pretty acerbic dissection of the uh, expectations put on women, uh, usually by men, I think, um, uh, as opposed to how women should look, I think uh, it's fair to say, in the song um, I Don't Want to Go to the Gym. It's a very strong opening statement, and uh, it's also a theme that has returned to, I think, throughout the record. Yeah um can you tell me well i mean i want to just hear it in your own words really what what was the impetus for writing the lyrics to that song in particular um i mean that one it, you kind of hit the nail on the head obviously it's about kind of the comments being made to you it's about kind of working in the hospitality industry and having people right you know ask to see your tattoos all the time or uh, like re- or regulars or people that they think they're familiar with you commenting on your body weight or how you look today or someone just being kind of genuinely rude over the bar or being maybe a bit too forward. And then when you tell them something's inappropriate, they immediately are like, oh, it's like someone saying, oh, hitting on you. And then you're saying, oh, sorry, like, that's not really okay. And I don't feel comfortable. Mm. And then they go, oh, well, fuck you. Mm. <laughs> it's like, well, which one is it? I just think it's the kind of like, just the commentary I think most women have to deal with behind the bar or like, you you know, this idea that you're kind of in service for more than just pouring pints like mm. they owe you a big smile and they owe you a certain look or they owe you a certain like polite conversation which you know it is my job and i don't mind talking to people i love talking to people but sometimes i i don't owe you that every day mm. so mm. that's kind of where that started someone made a comment to me that i'd like uh i think i gained a bit of weight at the last pub i worked at um so and this was someone you knew or something oh uh, it was like a regular mm. okay. um and I just didn't appreciate it and I was really fucked off that day (laughs) and so that kind of started off with that and this song in particular I think the whole I think the album is obviously very empowering and there's moments of empowerment uh but there's also a lot of I I think I talk a lot about the regression and progression with my feminism and dealing with it I think I've got a lot of unfortunate feelings towards myself of being younger and not finding that yet because I think feminism obviously is a journey for everyone because there's still a lot of stuff we need to unlearn Mm. and there's a lot of things I'm really unlearning and I uh yeah I'm trying to figure that out and that's kind of where that song comes from is the idea of like you know I I I love my body but I never want to choose it like I'm so I'm so quite upset um accepting it but there's not days where I don't feel like I'd like to look a certain way or you know sometimes I think people it's also quite frustrating there's a lot of women that get really mad at other women because they they want to fit a certain look or certain beauty standards um and I don't really think that's fair because if I wear makeup to work one day because I know that I will get treated better or spoken to better why not 
make your life a little easier for yourself. And I'm not saying I'm proud of that, and yeah. I don't think anyone should be, yeah. but I also don't yeah. think you can judge me for making that decision because I have like, a fucking shit day, and yeah. I and I want to put my lipstick on because I know that it'll make my life ten times easier. And that's a r- and like pretty privilege is a real thing, you know. Some people um, talk about that. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of what that one's about, and kind of just like the circle of you know figuring it out and unlearning things and yeah yeah anyway. so pr- pretty privileged <laughs> as i understand it is kind of um well if you're if you're a very very attractive person or, or what is considered what is considered traditionally attractive let's say yeah you um are likely to get more privileges that someone who is not traditionally attractive yes uh might get as well i've discussed this with a number of people in the past mm-hmm. uh yes um i think the statement i mean again i hope this is okay to talk about i'm assuming it is because the cover of the record Mm -hmm. feels like a statement in and of itself about sort of body um uh like like fear of putting your body out there in that Mm -hmm. you have put an almost incredibly intimate area of your body on display it's actually not me it's not you i thought it was you (laughs) no it's not me okay 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 (laughs) that's okay okay so um but but that is that is a statement in and of itself yes. about that kind of thing, isn't it? Well, right? the woman, so the woman who's on it uh, is my friend Ace. She runs a zine called Unpretty Zine. Okay. And she's a photographer uh, as well as uh, running the scene and writing. And she's one of the most lovely people. She's so creative. And she kind of captures women's or female's body, uh, just bodies in general, actually, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. really, really gorgeous uh, way in a very unconventional way you know she shows a lot of armpit hair and a lot of fat a lot of things that wouldn't normally be put on I don't know I guess a magazine poster or an advertisement um, and I we all said to her we're like can you come up with an album cover we kind of just gave her the freedom to Got do what much. she wanted yeah, yeah. and she sent us those back and we were like oh my goodness <laughs> like it was just perfect so you know it, it yeah. was, is, what was your reaction getting those back because it is I mean it is a striking cover to say the very very yeah uh, I honestly I was in awe like I was so happy we were all kind of just that's that's the one um so that was pretty amazing and I I like the idea of working with other people too you know I uh, I wanted to give someone who was a photographer, especially female photographer, a support as well. Yeah. Because, like, it's such a big thing to have, you know, it's an album cover. Um, yeah. And, yeah, she just knocked it out of the park. You know, she's really good at what she does. It sounds like your friend Ace does a similar thing to this um, photographer I was learning about from a podcast. Do you know Sex, Power and Money? With Sarah Pascoe? I don't. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to send you this podcast straight after this. <laughs> so um, this artist called Denisha Anderson, she's just, um, uh, like, put out a book called The Cock Chronicles, which <laughs> is just basically about... It's just loads of cocks, basically. But um, but photographed in that uncon- unconventional... Just, just it's pictures of penises. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, really. But, but, but in, in manner... Like, showing it in a... I mean, there's so much toxic stuff going around about penises and like there's toxic stuff about oh you're a black man you must have a massive dong and all this kind of thing which isn't true and stuff that we find from pornography and all this kind of thing and stereotypes and so on and so forth so i don't know if that is the sort of work that she does as well but it's it's all similar i think it's just to be not seen in like an over sexualized light or in a in a sense that it is just your body moving it's not made for you to consume you know it's like an actually something of seeing it uh, as it is yeah in that sort of light or at least that's what i get from it well that's the thing because there isn't um there isn't anything titillating about the cover of without the eyes really no but because it's an area that we're 
uh, generally used to seeing in a titillating manner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, it's that's kind of why it's kind of doesn't compute in the brain almost, and it sh- it should compute in the brain. There's absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, you know, on Instagram uh, and on Facebook, they keep taking it down because it, it goes against guidelines of, right. of nudity. Right. Um, or, or there was one message they sent me that it said it wasn't body positivity friendly, which I thought really? was hilarious. Um, and I think I wrote, like, I think I had a beer in me and I was just writing back like, you mother. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, you have so swimsuit models running around this place and I'm trying to show a belly and some pubes. <laughs> I was yeah. so angry, but I obviously did not write that very well. <laughs> there but might have been that's, some areas, That's all it is. That is all, no, but it, isn't, all it is. It isn't even like, oh, oh my God. Anyway, you know, yeah. I'm just, it makes me angry. It makes the blood boil. Uh, yeah. It's quite wild. It should, it should do. It's absolutely crazy. Mm. I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous that those kind of... There's no nipple. There's no genitalia. No. It's literally just like... I think it's honestly the pubic hair that gets it the most. Is That's like the most offensive thing about the photo. Yeah, well, you it's not going to be... You barely even see it. Yeah, it's not going to be the breasts, is it? Because no. breasts are like all over the fucking place. And, yeah. you know, or, so just, or just the belly fat. Yeah, maybe. I don't really... I don't really know. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the pubic hair, but... It's just very interesting. I did not mm. think it was very offensive. No, it's not though. It's, it, it's, it is really weird, this kind of idea that, I mean, you do have to play to the rules of Instagram and Facebook mm. and, and Twitter and so on and so forth. But you do wonder sometimes like, I know that, I mean, there are algorithms sometimes that deal yes. with this stuff. So sometimes you are dealing with a robot. Um, but a lot of the time you are dealing with a human being and you do think, like, what on earth yeah. are you thinking? <laughs> like, why? Why is that offensive? Have you actually sat down and had a conversation as yeah. to why that's offensive? Can you actually give me some rhetoric as to why that is offensive? No. And I don't think they could. No, no, exactly. Which is even more upsetting. <laughs> but anyway. <clears throat> um... I wanted to ask you about the Red Riding Hood analogy and speak to me, um, uh, just because it's a great an- analogy, really. I mean, um, uh, well, tell me the analogy in the first place. So it's mother said straight ahead, Red Riding Hood ended up dead. Well, there ain't no huntsman to cut me out, just a bunch of wolves trying to stick their dick in my mouth. <laughs> so. Which is, which is, uh, I mean, w- w- I I love I love the analogy, but I mean, can you just can you just take me through that? So that's actually kind of what I was saying earlier uh, with the Into the Woods musical, right? You know, so right, the, what, right. uh, oh God, what's the song? Uh, it's one little red. Anyway, Red Riding Hood sings a song. It's her yes. little piece. Um, into the woods and through the trees. Oh fuck, I don't know. So for those who don't know, Into the Woods is a. It just takes loads of fairy tales and kind of mm-hmm. amalgamates them together, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. For but those it kind of puts know. like a little twisted view uh, on it and everything. Lots of twists on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so I you know growing up, that story is kind of a weird one, and it's, it's talking a, it's about a it's a weird one. It's a weird story. It's a fucked up story. Yeah, about writing it. Sorry, and no, uh, that's okay. And anyway, there's a lot of themes throughout that, like kind of like a woman maybe like losing her virginity for the first mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Uh, becoming a woman, getting her period, all mm-hmm. of these things. Red, red, uh, red, red, and red, then red, the red. wolf eating her up, the huntsman saving her, yada yep. yada yada. Everything is good and dandy. Um, so I think. I mean, yeah, the line just came from uh, sort of just like the brutal reality of being a woman. It doesn't really end like that. <laughs> you yeah. don't get saved sometimes and yeah. you are just dealing with that, uh, and especially that time in your life when you are a young woman is yeah. kind of where that came from as well. It's sort of disturbing that that's, you know, I mean, Red Riding Hood is a story that most of us know from probably probably heard it and kind of took it into our lives when we were toddlers or something like that. 
Um, and I mean, do you feel like there's a very sort of subconscious on a very subconscious level or even let's take an even simpler example say you know uh blue is the color for boys pink is the color for uh, girls as an even simpler example all these things that are just kind of like systemic and um programmed into us almost Mm -hmm. you know and i suppose it's rallying against that to a a degree as well yes exactly it's the idea that that, you know are watching disney princesses movies when you're growing up and all the fairy tales it's it's ingrained into you you know like playing dress up as a kid or playing marriage or running around and finding your prince and all those things like they are ingrained to you those are the stories we get told Mm -hmm. or at least some of us get told the bedtime stories in the movies you know it's all there uh i don't know how you could not ignore it i don't Mm -hmm. know how you it's that's a hard thing to just get out of your brain that's all you're taught you know i think sometimes from my experience um you know i mean sometimes people do want that that experience and of, of you know like a knight in shining armor thing and that's okay mm-hmm. but it's just kind of sort of saying there are other options as well and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that that i i think it's way. just the idea of put like placing like that's the goal yeah that's your yeah, happiness yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the end of the story yeah that's what we want you know that's that the happily ever after yeah. yeah i think that's more the thing that yeah. is upsetting because that is a lot of yeah that, that that's kind of put on you it's like this is what you should do this is a conventional family this is the traditions you know um yeah i don't want to tangent too much but i've actually been watching a lot of disney films recently mm-hmm. i've been watching quite a lot of the um quite a lot of the new ones and comparing them with the old ones and the old ones are um almost amusingly toxic mm-hmm. if you if mm-hmm. you'll forgive the expression um naively toxic i think uh in 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 many ways but there's definitely kind of like a shift oh uh, yeah for and sure. do you, you do you yeah you perceive that and you see like i'm yeah. i don't know frozen it's not a bad example i don't no, think Frozen's a great example i mean i the whole point of the kids stories is that they're trying to i mean a lot of them have morals at the end of them yeah yeah, yeah. but uh i watched maleficent the other day oh so i haven't seen that yeah it's good it sort of redoes the sleeping beauty story i mean sleeping beauty is okay. still like a wet blanket but other mm. than that it's really good yeah. okay <laughs> i'll look into that one <laughs> <laughs> sorry I no totally that's okay um <clears throat> but yeah no there is a lot of different i'm trying to think of what i've watched recently uh i haven't watched a lot to be honest with you i suck at watching movies <laughs> really <laughs> yeah i'm like a proper like Grey's anatomy episodes back and forth like really love a good firefighter tv show drama like it's bad I love fire- it. what oh, just yeah. anything with firefighters then <laughs> Is that what you mean? Yeah, like or like or like doc, do, you know, like they're just the good old dramas, the American American dramas, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. I know it's horrible. I, I I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I don't think you should be. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's any reason to be ashamed about that. But I've just never heard the term firefighter firefighter <laughs> dramas before. <laughs> I was like, is that a thing? Station Nineteen. It was like a Grey's Anatomy spinoff. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was I so good. I cried. I've never cried so hard in my entire life. Okay. I literally bald the other day you must be a backdraft fan i'm guessing oh what you know backdraft i don't know what that is if you like firefighter dramas (laughs) this is a film about firefighters firefighters (laughs) with kurt russell in uh who else is in it oh i think it was like 1989 something like that i'll send send it my way i love a i love a a sappy drama you know i (laughs) like to cry i do (laughs) okay that's cool um (laughs) no no no, it's cool we had a really brief chat um last week about um like father which you told me was a a, a letter to your dad Mm -hmm. um and uh i mean really i feel like i should just let you take this away really like can you tell me what that song is about yeah so 
Uh, I think a few years ago, there's one Christmas I came home and I wrote my dad a letter on the plane back. I was feeling quite anxious um, about flying, which mm. I never really get. Um, my dad traveled a lot as a kid and I never really worried about him on the planes and stuff. And so, or like, and I traveled a bit too, so I never really, it's not something I was ever f- afraid of. But for this first time ever, I was like so, so anxious about getting on a plane. Like I almost like had a panic attack. Oh, okay. um, anyway, I got on the plane. I started writing this letter. Uh, I just had some things I wanted to get off my chest. And sometimes that's the best way for me to do it personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up just leaving it for a long time. And then I... The song came out, and I, I felt like it needed sort of like a, com- a kind of spoken word thing. So I was looking back a lot of my old booklets to kind of see, you know, what, what was there that I could kind of work with. And I found this letter, and I was like, you know what? This might be a really nice opportunity to get it out without getting it out, mm-hmm, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I didn't tell my dad until like the night before it came out. <laughs> I like sent him a little message and I was like, look, I was like, I wrote this. Uh, it's actually really nice, even though it sounds scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. uh, and he was very kind about it. And I think he was just happy to be a part of the music or like at least be spoken about. Um, but I mean, the over- without going too much into me and my like family, my personal stuff, I think the kind of overall theme is sort of, I like, you know, I think it's quite hard father daughter relationships sometimes because especially if you've got family that are from an older generation or um, things are new, things are hard to talk about. I'm obviously talking about some things that can be uncomfortable for a parent to listen to. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of parents that don't shut it down right away. You know, mm. I think it, it's, it's grown on them a little bit, I think. <laughs> but there I, can be potential conflicts there because of the way that they've been brought up and the way that you've been brought yeah, up. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I get too mad about the way they've been brought up. I think it's more of just like I'm openly talking about a lot mm-hmm. of things that are kind of okay. crude sometimes uh, mm-hmm. and really in your face. Um, it must be hard to not, like, you know, tell your friends that your daughter's not in like a musical she's in a punk band talking about speaking to her pussy you know like that's mm-hmm. not exactly the easiest thing in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. but um they must have seen i like have they seen they footage ha- and they, stuff? they've seen us live once and right. i think that really or maybe for my dad i think it changed his mind a, a lot because i think just watching that many people be at a show right um can i ask you it, where? where where was it what it was, was at it? sticky mics oh i know yeah, mics. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which is hilarious for anyone that knows it because the ceiling's low yeah. my mom is like yelling at somebody in the mosh pit like this is my daughter excuse me <laughs> and my dad's like hammering back the gins like oh my god what did she just say <laughs> like, it was hilarious i remember my mom like i had to literally get on the mic and be like can you guys not squish my mother she's <laughs> in the audience tonight and then someone took her to the side of the show oh god it was hilarious my friend was like covering my dad's ears but i think they loved it like i think they really did so awesome. i think it was nice for them to see did you talk about it much afterwards with them or? yeah i think they were a little drunk it was pretty funny <laughs> uh it was a really nice night actually we all graduated it was a year of our graduation cool. so it was like the day after so like it was just like a sold out show it was super lovely everyone's there it was really fun actually nice. oh my cousin came too actually and she was like oh my god what is going on here <laughs> but in a good way it's it's pretty interesting because actually this was something i was going to ask about earlier because you were saying how like so you've been h- here in the uk for like five years yeah. around that and um uh you were saying about how it, it, the stuff that you do in clip trip would be a, a surprise to your friends at home because you didn't have that outlet maybe and because because um uh because you're 
you, you, you're not like you are on stage because no. you're like far more calm and measured. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, well, no, you're, you're not calm on stage. <laughs> are you measured? I don't know. I don't know, but it's a totally different, yeah. like it's a far more anarchic <clears throat> kind of yes. thing. Um, so I'm guessing that was a surprise to to any of your friends at home. This is like a massive surprise to them. I'm yeah. Guessing, when they yeah. see that stuff. I think everyone was a bit, uh, not like shock's not the right word. It just wasn't what I was doing before. Um, it's not something I ever expressed to be doing either. So, I think, yeah, I think it was a bit like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, but yeah. Isn't that part of the expression though? Because you feel like it's been, bot- did you feel like it had been bottled up for a very Yes, long? I think, I I think when I moved here, a lot of things I was able to let go of um, and and feel quite actually genuinely independent and free um it's and a able new start, to, isn't it's it? a new start and i'm very lucky and grateful that i had that and um a lot of people don't get those mm. so i really took advantage of that um and kind of just w- said what i wanted to say and i think that's kind of where it all stemmed from i mean keep in mind i'm so lucky to have scott and daphne because they are a- were able to create this sound that mm. i was able to do that over as well you know um and they are incredible musicians like i i always laugh because they literally like scott wants to rehearse every second of every day and i'm a little lazy baby and sometimes it's hard for me to like kind of think of things it takes me a while to sort of get the grips to the lyrics and the songs because if you listen it's crazy music i was gonna say (laughs) it's wild if i were presented with i mean i don't know how you guys write but if i was presented with um the clip drip songs instrumentally and had to go right where do i put my where does my bit go over this um that would be an ex- that feels like an extraordinary task yeah. is that how you approach it kind of right yeah. so they kind of come up with i think scott sometimes usually has an atmosphere an idea the two of them sort of start working it out i'm in the room for the most part uh just to get the kind of vibe and the feeling and we like we, we do talk things through but it's usually them kind of coming up with the structure of the song uh, and then me coming back to it later and being like, all right, I've got an idea. But it takes me a while. Yeah. It is nuts. Like, it really, I'm getting better at kind of not being afraid to experiment. But at the yeah. start, I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I really don't know how to do this. Or like, sometimes I'm like, Scott, I just can't. I can't with this one. Yeah. It's too, it's too out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, they are unbelievable. And the way those two work together is pretty like it's a very big joy to watch. It's yeah, I mean you can um, you can hear it. Uh, you can, I mean certainly live. I remember seeing you guys at uh, seeing you at Bad Pond last year, which was a hell of an experience. But um, I mean just just uh, the size of Scott's pedal board to begin with. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just like a it's like the size of this room. We're in a relatively big room. Um, and uh, and I'm always uh, so mad. I'm like Scott, there's no room for me on the stage. <laughs> we're in like a little teeny venue. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And Daphne is just hitting the shit out yeah. of them drums. She's also um, just such a tasteful drummer, you know. Like she, yes. she's she so powerful off. and she doesn't show off, yeah. but she comes up with these friggin' fills sometimes. You're like, where did that come from? Yeah. You brilliant yeah. little sucklet. <laughs> she is. Uh, she strikes me as a drummer who, um, you know, for like, you know full well she's capable of so much more than what she's doing. Yeah. But she's just sending the song. Yes. She's no, sending totally. the song. Yeah. Um. It's just yeah. It's it's fucking wicked to see. I mean, I know that we're in this position at the moment where um where we can't really see live shows and stuff, but you know, w- there will be an opportunity to see Clip Dripper again live soon, I'm sure. And uh, 
Uh, I absolutely thoroughly recommend it because if it's acerbic and it's very powerful on record, but live, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> like, what did I just see? <laughs> um, and like from the moment I saw you saw you there, it was like, right, well, we, we have to bring Clitriff on the band at some point. Uh, we have to bring 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 you on at some point. You know, it was just completely blew me away. That's not a question. That's just me uh, <laughs> wanging on about how great I think you are. Um, Thanks. um i kill for nothing um is a song that just seems to be talking about is it humanity as a whole that you're talking about there or is it more specifically Uh, yeah it's a lot of there's a lot of things in that song Mm, um yeah pretty much this one's a weird one because there's a lot it didn't start out the way that it ended uh, okay. I genuinely had a lot of feelings and it kind of started off as actually, um, uh, I hate to say it, but a bit of a breakup song ah. <laughs> uh, or not a breakup song, but a sort of a feeling towards somebody and something. Um, okay. I, I have to say I didn't get that from, from the final version, but n- no at all. It really, it drifted. Uh, I, it started off some of the words of like the, the wounded dog and the, like the tears from your eyes kind of things were, um, I don't know a lot of resentment towards uh, somebody and that's how it started okay and um the I kill for nothing kind of popped up a little bit later actually um after kind of hearing the verses and then we put that to bed for a really long time and then started working on it again and I think some lyrics kind of came into play and then uh it started talking more about like consumerism and Mm kind of you know the idea of I guess just benefiting off each other and how there's not really any, you can't really be an ethical consumer. And mm. like this idea that like, I don't know people, there's you got to pick and choose your battles. There's so many different things that people uh, go back and forth on, you know, whether it's like veganism, whether it's you smoke tobacco, whether it's you're doing drugs, you know, whether you're just an absolute racist, like there's all these little things that people are always, I mean, not little things at all. That sounds horrible. I mean, there's a lot of big questions and big battles uh, and everyone seems to kind of be like trying to one up each other, but it's like at the end of the day, we all fucking suck. <laughs> like we live in a really horribly capitalist society, and you know people are trying to get through it, and that's kind of where that comes from. But it's also acknowledging like I'm 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 in it as well, and I'm still yeah. doing these things, and we're all doing these things. And yeah. Yeah. anyway, we all wear those shoes. Yeah, that's a million deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I read a book called No Logo. Are you familiar with No Logo? Not. It's by Naomi Klein, and it basically. Um, discusses how in the Western world, if we buy clothes, we are fucking over the East. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he explains in 500 pages how we cannot, we cannot avoid it. And mm-hmm. we like, and there are certain people who like to think that you can if you go to certain ethical outlets and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the manner in which this is, I mean, I will say this because of around about 15, 20 years old now, so things might have changed, mm-hmm. although I'm not totally convinced they have. I don't know loads about the fashion industry. Fucking look at me. <laughs> uh, I am wearing a band t-shirt and jeans, uh, which is what I always wear. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, just stuff like, you know, Nike stuff is made in exactly the same factory as Primark stuff and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's made yeah. by the same people. Um, it's just the Nike stuff is going to cost you so much more. Armani would be a better better example. I mean, Armani and Primark stuff is made by the same people in the same factory and gotcha. like and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. it's just kind of like, well, who who is actually being exploitative here? I mean, the answer is everyone. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but um, you know, Armani even more so because they're charging... Uh, 
50 quid for the thing that Primark are charging five quid for, blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of kind of, um, there's a lot of rhetoric about um, wanting to have good consumer values uh, when it is enormously difficult to do that. Yeah, well, yeah. And also just like wanting to have good values in general yeah. <laughs> and trying and to I, make I, things work for yourself. You I know, know I've made that sound really glass half empty and I'm not suggesting no, no, no. that we should just give up. No, or no, like I'm that. not. Uh, yeah, I'm not either. But that's kind of what that song is suggesting, though. It's yeah. kind of, kind of like I kill for nothing. What do you kill for? And it's that of just a bit more of like a self-reflective balancing on the things you hate about, you know, what it's around you, yourself okay. and what you're doing. That's really um, interesting. I took it. I actually I have to confess. I took it in a far more basic bitch way <laughs> and I, I actually <laughs> took it far okay. more in a, in a literal <clears throat> manner actually. But no, that's really interesting to hear what that's actually about. Because yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they're not like, again, I, my lyrics are pretty, pretty direct for the most part, but that's kind of where that came from. That one yeah. really did. Uh, so many things just came back and forth and back and forth with it. And then I kind of got the final idea and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to kind of slide that in there. If that makes sense. <laughs> from your experiences so far in the music industry, what would you like to change? Wow, that's wow. a big one, isn't it? It's a big boy. <laughs> that is a big boy. But speaking today in 2020, on the day that we're speaking, what are the things slash things that you would really like to see change? I, I don't feel like I have enough experience, I would say, quote, unquote, in the music industry to have a proper answer for you because okay. I haven't seen a lot of the ins and outs. Like, we haven't been on massive tours. I've only recorded with a few different people um, and worked with a few different bands. Uh, as a, f you know, as a woman, I get treated fine for the most part. You know, I'm still 5'2", I'm still white, I'm still, like, chatty. You know, and I can maybe smile a little bit too much <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> That's maybe reciprocal to myself. But um, <laughs> I mean, in the sense of like, I notice the small things and the microaggressions that go along mm -hmm. with that, which mm -hmm. is obviously frustrating and everyone has to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe the real problem, uh, especially in like heavier music, I don't know. I like the lineups that are going on right now. Those mm -hmm. are quite frustrating mm -hmm. to see. Mm -hmm. There's not even 50-50 like lineups uh for women or even diverse diversity in, at all to be honest so we're talking a couple of just a few days after the latest reading lineup yeah. came out yeah. and uh it's as per it's depressingly um there's not a lot of women on it as per yeah i mean there's that, the big conversation of you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't put women on the bill just because they're women but mm. i think that's a yes. dumb conversation right now as yes. well because at the end of the day if you actually look, they're there though. Yes. Like so, I don't. Uh, that's stupid too to me. I'm, I, and I, I hate the idea of this whole female-fronted genre kind of thing. But I, it's like giving us a platform without just saying you didn't earn it. And yeah. but at the same time, you need to make room for us as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird balance, and I don't really know how you get there other than just educating people. Uh, especially at a younger age that like you have you're capable of doing the same things that our men are capable of doing and you know there are those opportunities for you we don't see any female producers anywhere and that is so sad and it's so frustrating as I a musician of, the only one i can think of is Catherine marks who's a fucking legend and she's brilliant but yeah very 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 few very, very few. few and if they are they're usually making big bucks so a lot mm. of like younger bands or new bands or diy bands can't 
work with them. <laughs> I would love to sit in a room with a female producer and have her listen to my lyrics and have that kind of connection or that emphasis of talking about those things. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. uh, really bothers me sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of female singers out there, or front women, I guess. But though, like the behind the scenes stuff is where women aren't seen. And that's like the biggest part of making a record. Like it really bothers me. Um, Just to interject super quickly, I was watching a Depeche Mode documentary the other day for something mm-hmm. else we were doing for the show. And um, there was a, and you know, it was um, filmed in 1987 or something like that. And there was a woman doing the lights. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, that mm. was my reaction. I've been working in this industry, like, quote unquote, professionally for 10 years. And I um, don't think I've ever seen a woman do lights, mm-hmm. to be or, totally honest. Yeah. And, and and I was even more amazed that it was in the late 80s that that was happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like, I yeah, I think that behind the scenes thing is really important. It's really, that's really important. a conversation which isn't actually being had all that It's much. not, but that's because women on the stage are being seen. And, mm-hmm. you know, people yeah. are so happy to go kind of like objectify these things as well. Because it's yeah. like all in the cover and the magazines and the photos and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think behind the scenes things I would like to see change. And again, that's like what I said earlier, just about giving younger women the opportunity to be like, you can do this. And and when you see women in those roles, that's when you think you can do it. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know how we get there. Why do? Yeah. I mean, it's just about the opportunity being presented to you. Like it's an an option, <laughs> or it's seen as normal. I guess. Um, I think sometimes. I mean, people like you know. I'm a very um, privileged person, just being in the position that I am. White male cis. You know, yada yada yada. And um, I think just being. There definitely is a sense that we just need to be made aware of this stuff sometimes. And yeah. I do think the majority of us will acknowledge it. Uh, there's, you're always going to get your cunts on Twitter or whatever. But, you know, I do think the majority of us will go once it's pointed out to us. I mean, I certainly feel like I'm uh, much better at mm-hmm. realizing that because I think when I started in this industry, um, the fact that there are, there aren't that many female producers, mm-hmm. the fact that there aren't that many uh, female lighting designers or, or lighting engineers or sound engineers or anything like that, just wouldn't have been something that occurred to me. To be totally honest, of course not. I mean, it's not gonna it's not occur to you if it doesn't affect you. That's exactly. the reality of it. Exactly. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. That's kind of the way people work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we just need to normalize conversations. And not have people get so defensive. Yes. I think the biggest thing is to be like, you know what? We literally benefit off like (laughs) systemic racism in our society. You know, that's a big conversation right now. And I think the idea of like, instead of just being like, oh God, I'm not, this isn't me or uh, uh," it's like, no, no, no. Like whether you're actively doing it or not, you're still part of this. So let's just normalize, like calm down. No one's going to like, you can't like, you have to forgive people and let Mm -hmm. people grow and educate them. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I just... It bought, it's so funny, some of, the, some of the hardest conversations and most angry debates I've had are with friends that actually are really, really nice guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they are nice guys, I say nice guys, like, well, but... <laughs> uh, quote, 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 unquote. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as in, uh, I, they're the ones that can't see it because they're like, well, me and, me and my friends aren't doing this. Or like, yeah. what are you talking yeah. about? And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 like, please, if you want to be a real ally, like, this is a conversation you need to have. And we need to have together. And especially women on women, too. You know, like, that's bad. I used to be so bad when I was a teenager. I used to be, like, 
you know, I'm one of the guys or like input down other woman because I wanted this respect or I thought I earned it or something. And that really haunts me. It's a horrible thing, but it does. It's like a lot of internalized misogyny in the way that it goes. Um, and again, just calling other women out and being like, no, you know, that wasn't cool. What you just said back there mm. and like being able to normalize it. You're like, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to think about that later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Steve and I have talked about this a lot where we've kind of had to look back at things that we've done in the past. Thankfully, I don't think, I didn't think on this show for the most part, I think we've been far more aware of it in the last couple of years, but certainly like, I don't know, maybe there are examples, but, um, but like things where, um, I mean, there was a there was an album by um, I don't know if you're familiar with Lingua Ignota. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that record that came out last year, Caligula, um, was just a really sobering experience. Experience. <laughs> yeah. um, just listening to it in terms of confronting uh, toxic masculinity, and it it's it's it, it's it's uh, must be. It, it was it was an interesting record in that it it kind of. I don't want to in any way say that I can suddenly empath- empathize with someone who has been through those experiences or something like that, but it did so starkly put it in your face mm-hmm. that it almost, there's this um, quote that cinema is an empathy machine. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Lingui Ignota record was the closest that someone in my privileged position is going to get mm-hmm. to being able to to not just sympathize but empathize with that position yeah. i'm not saying i have been through that but but it, it, it i thought it was that strong a In piece that, of no, art I understand yeah you know what i mean and like um yeah i think i think just having these conversations like the conversation yeah. like we're having today is just like that's how you progress through these things isn't it really? yeah i think the one thing too i've actually had a few conversations recently as well though is like who who does it fall on when those conversations happened? So to make music like that or to write movies or write poems or books, you know, that's a lot of emotional labor goes into that. Mm. I, I get cool. I can get quite emotional during some of the pieces of clip trip, but it's a little less ballady and a little bit more aggressive. So I don't cry. Whereas like when I sing solo things, I will, I can cry on stage because I genuinely uh, find it very difficult but I'm also always up for having a conversation and debate because that's, uh, you know, I like, I wouldn't say I like an argument. I like to talk about the, these things because they're important. Um, I'm always up for conversation and debate. That's always yeah. the way I feel is the way to go. Yeah. But it also upsets me sometimes when someone plays devil's advocate or they're having the conversation because, like, n- not because I want to understand better, just because they just want to argue against it. And I mm. understand that's how you learn things, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I shouldn't... It's not up to a woman to explain to you what feminism is. Mm. It's not up to a black person to explain to you their experiences. You know, it's not up to gay men to tell you about uh, their experiences and for you to sit there and believe them. And I find that very hard right now because I understand that that's how you learn. Mm. And I know that, again, empathy is the biggest way we learn, but also... You should be able to research these things. The mm. internet is there. Mm. It is I mean, uh, like books are there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just mean uh, so. But I I think about art like that, and, and it's an amazing. And it was that person's choice to do that. It's my choice to sing about these things and and be confronted by them. And I'm opening up the conversation. But that people don't also understand it's quite painful to talk about these things as well. And I think that bothers me sometimes when uh people just expect you to kind of put your feelings on board. And then when you sit there and you argue with them and you're trying to find this common ground, but you're really not trying to find it. And you're putting them through this. It's mm. actually really horrible. And people mm. need to normalize being like, 
hey, if, if we don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Or you know what? I'm going to listen to what you say before arguing back. And I'm going to listen to you first because these are your experiences. And I'm going to go try and read about it. Mm. I'm going to go try and research these things. And then I'll come back to you if I still genuinely have something to say. Mm. But do not waste someone's time or emotional labor just because it's a crack for you. That really fucks me off. And I've been trying to set boundaries for myself more and more uh, to not talk about thi- those things. I d- and I, it's not that I don't mind talking about them, but I hope that whoever I'm arguing with it about is genuinely listening. Yeah. Because if they're not, I would could honestly kill them. <laughs> it's it's horrible and it's not okay. So, is there a conflict in that sometimes? Because I'm asking you questions about uh, some of the questions that I'm asking you today, for mm-hmm. example, are these aren't stock questions that I would ask any woman in the music industry. No. I'm asking you some very specific questions about you know, quite difficult topics in some cases in feminism or um, uh, toxic masculinity or whatever, because you talk about them on the record. And, um, and, and I suppose, you know, as a journalist, that's kind of where my rules, my own personal rules, I'm not saying this is the rules of all journalists, because um, some, some of them are cunts, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, but, but, you know, that's kind of where I, I kind of go, well, if it's discussed on the record, then I think I'm going to, I'm going to feel comfortable asking about it to a degree. Um, but but is there a conflict in there? I mean, it sounds like there is sometimes a conflict in there with you for that occasionally. Has that come up? Do you mean in like interviews in general or podcasts in general? Or, in, or just in, in, in interviews in general, yeah. Whatever you have done, has has that come up? I mean, it's of, my, yeah. the music is my decision. Like you asking about my lyrics and me doing this interview in the first place, I'm happy to answer things because mm. I'm in the headspace and I'm ready for it. Mm. And I know that you're genuinely asking because you'd like to know, not mm. because we're sitting here after a few beers and mm. like, get like you know what i mean having a little tiff but uh i find it a little that comes later <laughs> yeah <laughs> i find it a little annoying S- again it goes back to that thing of like it is my lyrics and my voice but i also think people should ask scott these questions too um because sometimes it's better for men to hear it from other men and that's mm. very frustrating but it's also the reality of it as well they mm. will listen to you your respect is already there um but at the same time, you know, it, I, I'd i like to talk about it as well because they are my experiences, my lyrics, things like that. But I'm just saying they could divide it up. It doesn't always need to be directed as me, directed mm. at me. Like Scott knows, knows, hopefully knows just as much and knows how to communicate those things as well. Mm. And he does. He really mm. does. Mm. And so sometimes I feel like I get thrown the feminism questions that are very like open and vague and kind of like, you know, um, a little lazy. And I'm like, well, Scott can take this one. You know, let's let's ask him. Um I love doing interviews with Daphne and Scott, but I also, uh, if, if, if you are going to ask me the lyrics, Scott does not know what they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Daph does actually. Yeah. Um, but they are a lot of personal experience. So I am going to, I'm happy to talk about them. Uh, happy to talk about them uh, in that sense. I just mean in the more like broader interviews of just mm. like about things in general. I think sometimes or like people opening like, not specifically asking about lyrics or the themes, just someone being like, well, what do you think about feminism? Like, and it's like, what do you mean? What do I think about feminism? That was going to be my next question. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, mean, there's a lot to say. I just... What do you think yeah. about feminism? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. Someone get me a beer. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> That's a good idea. And that is a good place to wrap up. Annie, thank you so much for being so open and so honest. Oh, um, the uh, debut Clip Drip record, Without the Eyes, is out now. It's fucking brilliant. It honestly is. I said it 
not in front of your face before so you know that i'm not <laughs> lying what, what would be the point in me lying it's fucking great it's one of my favorite um records from a new band this year mm-hmm. and that will be reflected in my albums of the year at the end of the year thank you thank you for joining me annie and thank, thank you for you. inviting me to your pub anytime and we're gonna have a beer now uh and yeah bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>